Chapter 24 Should I go to Julia to check if she was still alive? Or should I follow Steve to the police station? I supposed I could switch back and forth between them both with my unlimited ghost energy. It occurred to me I'd been shown future events and sent back. Maybe the rules changed again too and I no longer had unlimited energy. I couldn't risk blacking out and leaving them both alone. I forced myself to rationalise. The sun still shone. It was daylight when I saw the police on Steve's doorstep too. It was pre-dawn when I saw Julia pursued by Tim, then heard her murder. The things played out in the order they were shown to me. She was still alive. I hoped I was right as I slipped into the back of the police car next to Steve after they bundled him in. You don't have to speak, but Julia is about to get murdered. Either tonight or during the early hours of the morning, I think. The policeman stood outside the car talking. The driver's door was open. Go to her, Steve mouthed, his eyes moving in the direction of the door to suggest I leave him. I wanted to argue, but he was right. Even if the police thought Steve was the killer, they wouldn't hurt him. On the other hand, Julia was in danger, if she wasn't dead yet. I arrived at Julia's flat as she finished drying her hair. The Ouija board lay on the floor in the corner of her bedroom. She must have left it there in the hope I would contact her. I walked past the floor post to bed to get to it. What should I say? If I told her she would die around 12 hours later, she might freak out. I could promise to protect her. I had no intention of allowing Tim to hurt her or anyone else. I knew what was going to happen. If I told her and she avoided going out, Tim would try again or go after someone else. If that happened, I wouldn't know when or who. I needed to let events play out as I'd watched them, right up to the moment when Tim chased her. Then I would step in and stop him. Would I kill him, though? Stop him how? I repeated the same question I asked while trapped in the darkness. I would just stop him, find a way to restrain him somehow. Then Julia would phone the police and come up with a story to explain how she caught him. I typed out H and I to let Julia know I was there. Where did you go? She asked, unplugging the hairdryer. I didn't respond, not wanting to lie. But what could I say? Julia stared at the board, waiting for a response. I typed out the words to help a friend. It wasn't an outright lie. Julia was a friend. And if I succeeded in preventing the scene I witnessed earlier, it would have saved her life. And did you? Help them, I mean. I hope so, I spelled out. Julia accepted the answer and turned back to the mirror, scraping her hair back with her brush before gathering it into a ponytail. It's my mum's birthday meal tonight, so I'll talk to Toby again. I know he said he couldn't help yesterday, but I'm sure I could talk him round. I moved the counter to yes. She nodded before leaving me. Maybe she was assuming I would go to Steve's or do my own investigation, but I followed her from a distance. I had no way of knowing if her sensitivity meant she would eventually sense me if I stayed too close. At least she wasn't taking the car that day. So it was easier to follow her, even as a ghost. I doubt I'd be able to run after a car. She caught a bus, forcing me to chase after the vehicle, then throw myself through the back of it, passing through the engine and some teenagers sitting on the back seat. 
I landed on the floor of the bus, staring up at a baby on his mother's lap. He smiled and waved. The mother looked down but didn't see me. I stood smiling and waving to the baby, much to his mother's confusion as the infant giggled for no apparent reason. It made me question whether all the times I saw babies and young children seemingly talking to themselves. Were they really just talking to someone or something that nobody else could see? I almost missed Julia's stop and had to run off the bus the same way I had got on the board, only in reverse. I stopped in the middle of the road, allowing traffic to pass through me. One car steered a fraction to the left as if the driver sent something, or perhaps it was the mechanics of the car reacting to my ghost energy. I hurried onto the pavement, not wanting to risk causing an accident if I could unintentionally mess with the inside workings of a car. This action brought me nearer to Julia as she stood outside the bakery. She twisted her neck to look in my direction, but turned back a few seconds later. Her focus was on the birthday cakes displayed in the window. I stayed outside the shop while she stepped inside. She talked to the man behind the counter then waited as he went away, returning with a box. Julia paid him and left the shop. Her hands held what I assumed was a birthday cake for a mum. I stopped in the middle of the street, allowing her to walk away as thoughts of my mother filled my head. I would miss her birthday. I'd miss all her birthdays from now on. Julia rounded a corner before I realised I couldn't see her anymore. No, I said, running to the end of the road. I looked in the direction she had turned, but I couldn't see her. Shit, I gasped. Could ghosts get out of breath? I felt like I was struggling to breathe, but I knew breathing was unnecessary for me. The feeling of needing oxygen was probably psychological. On the other hand, Julia did need to breathe, but she wouldn't be doing that for much longer if Tim had anything to do with it. Tim, I realised, but the idea already turned my stomach, another bodily function I was no longer capable of. I had no choice. If I didn't know where Julia was, I couldn't protect her, unless I went to Tim's house and followed him instead. I transported myself there. Part of me hoped he wouldn't be home. His bedroom wall boosted a new addition. He had bought a notice board, cut out articles about my murder, and pinned them up like someone might do with sporting achievements. To him, I was the equivalent of first place in the swimming contest. Talk about a cliché, I muttered, tempted to try ripping the board from the wall and smashing him over the head with it. I heard running water. He was in the shower, but I resolved not to go in there. I would choose to be killed for a third time rather than see that freak naked. It wasn't my life at risk, though. It was Julia's and all the other women Tim would go on to kill if nobody stopped him. I think that's the moment I made my decision. I waited for the sound of the water turning off, then turned to stare out the window through the neck curtains as a bolt unlocked on the bathroom door. His footsteps padded around the bedroom as he sang to himself. Tonight's a night were part of the lyrics, but the tune was from a different song. He had changed the words. It was right about one thing, though. It would be the night, although not the same night he had planned. I waited until I heard the sound of him sipping up his jeans before I turned around. The rest of my day was spent following him around. 
He may not have made up his mind about whether to try again with Julia. He returned to the crusty edge. I found it interesting that there was a new chef working in the kitchen, but no sign of Paul. That wasn't what I was there for, though. I concentrated on Tim as much as it angered me to spend so long looking at the face of my murderer. There was no remorse in his eyes, only insatiable hunger for more of the same. I noticed it as he chatted to a customer at the next table. She was a little older than me, possibly in her mid-forties. I've got to go. I'm meeting my husband, she said, leaving half her meal untouched. I think she saw the same thing in his eyes as I did, even if she didn't fully comprehend Tim's capacity for causing death and suffering. He made no move to follow her. Maybe he preferred people my age. I considered this would-be victims. Julia was probably in her early thirties. There was a year or two between me and Shelley. From the pictures I saw of the other victims during my first time as a ghost, they were in their thirties too. I felt sure I was onto something as I watched him try to flirt with a blonde woman in the same age range. But he looked as if it pained him to do so. I figured Julia and I were right in thinking he targeted women with dark or red hair too. Tim left the restaurant after a few hours and walked to a nearby bar, but found nobody to his taste there either, unless you counted the redhead at one of the tables. She snuggled up to her boyfriend. He was dressed in a leather jacket and jeans, taking up a lot of leg space. Tim must have decided against pissing him off by trying anything with his girlfriend. I followed Tim as we walked a few streets away to a local residential area then stopped to sit on a wall. His foot tapped patiently like he was waiting for something or someone. Some hours later, Julia emerged from the house across the road. I recognised the orange fake leather jacket she wore and her laugh as she hugged two other women. I wasn't close enough to get a proper look at them. She staggered into the street. I watched as the front door shut and the lights in the house began to go off one by one. Then I ran after Julia, determined not to lose her again. I couldn't believe her family would allow her to walk home at that time of night, even if she wasn't so obviously drunk. Hadn't the papers at least warned the local community that there was a serial killer on the loose? Of course, they published their articles about my murder. Nobody else has been killed yet. Most people preferred to assume these things were isolated and something that wouldn't happen to them or their loved ones, until it does happen. I heard footsteps behind us as I caught up with Julia. She must have heard them too because she turned her head a little to the left, trying to see without looking obviously scared. She took a deep breath, then sped up. It's okay, I'm here, I said, hoping she at least sensed my spirit. I stood behind her as she hurried through an empty car park, as if by placing myself between her and Tim, I could protect her. Tim breathed heavily from behind me. I turned to face him. He didn't seem out of breath. It was more like excitement at what he thought was about to happen. It's never going to happen, you sick fucker, I snapped. The fear on his face as he took a step back told me he could see me again. He definitely brought out the emotions which caused me to become corporeal.
Server? Julia asked from behind me. It's okay, I replied, not taking my eyes off Tim. He wasn't about to get away this time. You owe me an apology, I taunted him. I wasn't sure if the way his eyes stared at me meant he was surprised or scared. Then he smiled in a way that made this face twist with spite. I'm sure he was thinking about killing me again. <laughs>